are listening to the Agent Survival Guide podcast. This is the Friday Five, and I'm your host, Sarah Rupel. Each week, we bring you our list of five things that happened that you should know about. And no, it is not just you. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services have been on a roll with memos, rules, and updates. And we've got another one for you, coming in at number one on our list this week. This time, CMS is talking agent broker compensation for ACA business. Now, if you've been following news around the ACA marketplace, you probably heard about insurers pulling out of the exchanges circa 2017 and 2018 because they weren't making money. And they weren't making money because of a difference between projected utilization and actual utilization in factoring the risk pools. You also might be familiar with the many attempts to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. Or perhaps you've heard of Congress repealing ACA taxes, like the Cadillac tax, the medical device tax, and the annual fee paid by providers. But if you've been paying attention recently, it's more likely that you've heard about special enrollment periods created amidst the COVID-19 pandemic and passage of the American Rescue Plan Act. That first one happened in September last year, when the Biden administration opened up a special six-month-long COVID-related enrollment period. That SEP brought in a record-setting 2.8 million enrollments. Following on that success, the Biden administration sought to bring health insurance coverage to more individuals by creating a special enrollment period for individuals who make less than 150% of the federal poverty level to sign up at any time throughout the plan year. According to 2021 numbers, 1.3 million people who fall into that income bracket are currently uninsured. And then, of course, when pandemic protections end, a lot of people will find themselves without coverage through Medicaid. Enrollments grew by 14 million people during the COVID-19 public health emergency. And when the PHE ends, not all of those individuals will still be eligible for coverage. But the latest news is surrounding commissions for ACA business. Many insurers have recently reduced or eliminated commissions for ACA business written during special enrollment periods, and CMS has responded. In a memo published on Tuesday this week, CMS covered, quote, frequently asked questions on agent broker compensation and guaranteed availability of coverage, end quote. And the question posed, quote, is it permissible for an issuer to differentially compensate agents or brokers who assist consumers with enrollments in individual market coverage in the same benefit year based on whether the enrollment is completed during an SEP or during the applicable benefit year's open enrollment period, or OEP, end quote. The official answer from CMS is no, and we will be linking to that memo in our episode notes. But CMS states that, quote, arrangements that pay reduced or no commissions and other forms of compensation to agents and brokers who assist consumers 
with enrollment in individual market coverage during an SEP and pay higher amounts for OEP enrollments for the same benefit year violate the guaranteed availability provisions of the Affordable Care Act, end quote. The memo goes on to, quote, several different parts of legislation to back up their decision. They cite that issuers must accept every employer and individual. They must provide the same coverage in the OEP as the SEP. The channels for issuers to receive applications and offer coverage during OEP must also be available during SEPs. CMS denotes agents and brokers as part of the channels issuers use to distribute their sales and marketing efforts. And in those efforts, the amount of compensation offered influences those agents and brokers, not just in marketing to individuals, but also enrollment and retention of those clients. Issuers also influence agents and brokers when they say that they can make money during the OEP, but not during an SEP. So in short, if I'm an agent and you tell me I'll make money by doing X, but not by doing Y, how much incentive is there for me to do Y? According to CMS, quote, these practices therefore violate the guaranteed issue protections afforded to these individuals under the statute, end quote. Additionally, CMS cited a 2016 FAQ that, quote, explained that compensation arrangements structured to discourage agents and brokers from marketing to and enrolling consumers with significant health needs constituted a discriminatory marketing practice, end quote. We will be linking to the CMS memo in the notes as well as a couple other resources if you want to learn more. Number two, just a quick reminder about the CMS Enterprise Portal. That's the place where agents log in for the annual federally facilitated marketplace training, the certification for selling ACA under 65 health plans. In accordance with the Zero Trust mandate, CMS will soon require a multi-factor authentication device in order to access that site. So before you're able to log into the CMS Enterprise Portal or the Marketplace Learning Management System, the MLMS, you'll have to enter a code sent to an MFA device of your choosing. That could be an SMS text message sent to your phone. It could be a code sent via email. You can use Google Authenticator, OctaVerify, or voice call authentication. But soon, you won't be able to access the portals or the trainings without a second means of authentication. And I want to stress here, it is not just your access to training that will be affected by these new rules. If you're enrolling consumers through the Classic Direct Enrollment Pathway, or the DE Pathway, without an MFA device, the double redirect process that you're used to will fail, and you won't be able to log into healthcare.gov after being redirected from a private website. Also important to mention, the MFA that you have set up for Health Sherpa does not count. This is a completely separate and new multi-factor authentication program from CMS. New users will be asked to assign an MFA device when registering moving forward. For existing users, 
email will be set as the default option, and you should be prompted to set up an MFA device the next time you log in. There is a link to set up your MFA device beforehand, and we will be linking to that in our notes, as well as a few other related resources. Number three, NAHU, the National Association of Health Underwriters, has announced the date for their upcoming plan year 2023 Medicare Advantage certification. Their course will come online on Wednesday, June 22nd. It's a course that was written by agents for agents, if you're not familiar with it. Standard cost is $100, and they've got mobile-friendly technology and free CE credits. Before you get started, though, double-check that your carriers accept this type of certification. It's on the newer end, but more and more carriers have been added each year, so we will be linking to the training as well as the list of carriers accepting NAHU's certification. The training program meets all of the CMS requirements for selling, in addition to those free CE credits, bonus material, and added resources and information. If you've got questions about NAHU's training, we will have the link to our episode on FAQs about NAHU Medicare certification in our notes. Number four, and our editor's pick for this week. Elon Musk still has not closed on his bid to buy Twitter. The latest installment in this long, drawn-out buyout occurred because of Twitter's bots. Not because of what they tweeted, but their existence and the fact that there are so many of them. 5% to be exact, but Elon Musk wants to see the data on those bots to make sure that it's not more than 5%, what the company has already claimed. He's been holding out on the purchase until he gets that data, and it looks like Twitter has finally relented. And that's despite the fact that in his original deal to buy the company, he waived the right to look through that information. So, Speculation runs amok as far as what Musk plans to do with the information he gets and if it will affect his decision to purchase the company. Some say that he will ask for a lower purchase price. Some say that he will walk away from the deal altogether. Should he decide to go with the latter option, he faces a $1 billion opt-out fee and potential legal ramifications. Number five. Apple held its Worldwide Developer Conference this week, WWDC, and their keynote on Monday announced some pretty cool features coming to Apple products. Most exciting, on the health front, Apple Fitness will be available to all iPhone users, not just those with Apple Watches. But if you do have an Apple Watch, Atrial fibrillation tracking and medication reminders are coming to the already robust number of health tracking apps for the watch. In iOS 16, we will get a customizable lock screen so you can choose your font, colors, and add some widgets to the lock screen with that update. The focus feature will expand to lock screen customization too, so if you're in focus mode for work, 
you might choose to not see any notifications come through on your lock screen. And then, of course, as new operating systems are announced, there are bound to be the devices that are not supported with those updates. That list has already been neatly compiled, and we will be linking to that in the notes, along with a few other write-ups on the announcements from WWDC 2022. That way, you can check out all of the coming updates. Rupel recommends. First up, we've got a new flavor of Frosty here in the States. The Strawberry Frosty will be coming to Wendy's restaurants here in the U.S. If it's not here already. It was a hit in Canada, and when they tested here in limited markets, it sold out halfway through the testing phase. So the Strawberry Frosty launched on Tuesday this week. It is a limited edition summer flavor, so order it while you can. It looks like it will temporarily take the place of the vanilla Frosty for the summer run. And now, let's talk about what's coming to streaming, in addition to what I've already been streaming this month. Not much this week because we were having some internet issues, but last weekend, my daughter and I binged Surviving Summer on Netflix. It's a short series about a wayward teen sent to Australia to sort out her issues. And of course, she learns to surf and falls in love at the same time. Not quite sure how a sequel would work out for that one, but I wouldn't be mad if it did. My other Netflix picks... Coming out today, Peaky Blinders Season 6. A lot of people are into that show. I have yet to watch it. But I am excited about Umbrella Academy coming back with Season 3 on June 22nd. Moving on to Disney+, Plus, we have not watched it yet, but I'm sure we will. Hollywood Stargirl, which oddly enough picks up where the last movie left off, to continue with Stargirl taking her quirky charm to Hollywood rather than following in the footsteps of the book sequel. Hollywood Stargirl and its prequel, Stargirl, are both available now, again, on Disney+. Plus. If you're looking for a superhero fix, well, Disney+, Plus has no shortage of that with their Marvel catalog, but they also have two new shows to pick from. First up, Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion, a show about a girl who turns into a hero with super speed when she puts on a luchador mask. And then Miss Marvel, also the story of a teenage girl, this one a smidge older, who discovers a magical bracelet that gives her superhuman powers. On June 29th, the series Baymax premieres on Disney+, featuring the lovable robot from Big Hero 6. On HBO Max, already out, Doctor Who Season 13, and I have got so much catching up to do with this series, so I do have an HBO Max subscription on my wish list. Then on June 26th, Westworld Season 4 comes out. And on Hulu, June 28th marks the premiere of the second season of Only Murders in the Building. Another thing I thought I should mention, we are currently working our way through the High School Musical catalog in our house, and we have finally landed on High School Musical, the musical, the series, and I have to say there are some pretty funny moments in there. My daughter is a huge Olivia Rodrigo fan, so 
That has been a huge hit for us. Also, quick sneak peek for July, a movie that we have been waiting patiently for the release date, Zombies 3, with the showdown that pits cheerleaders, zombies, and werewolves against aliens. And yes, I am that invested. The release date was finally announced. It is coming on July 15th, so mark your calendars for that. I do have a theory that all of the townspeople that are not zombies or werewolves are actually aliens, and that's why they're so obsessed with fitting in and being perfect. But, you know, I could be completely wrong. As far as Addison ending up an alien, or maybe she's been an alien all along, well, I think we're just going to have to watch and find out. And that is our episode this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru. Artwork by Vivian Zhao. 